So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. I can't even begin to tell you. We're live now, so uh, everybody be cool. No worries. Here we are. Literally spilled a cup of water moments before air. So uh, we're back on. We're live. This is me live. Let me double check outputs. I'm way behind. It should already be in the first interview segment. But let me see what we can come up with here. Big show planned. I believe we can still get all the guests in. I think. We're going to see. As a matter of fact, we're just going to race right to it. It's kind of a nightmare, i got to be honest. Uh, my first guest tonight has been covering college football for Sports Illustrated since 2008. Of course, that means being on the road, and being on the road means, well, eating a lot of places. I found Andy on Twitter a number of years back when he was talking barbecue with Daniel Vaughn, and I've been working to get him here on this show ever since. It finally pans out tonight. Let's head over to the hotline and welcome first-timer to the show, Andy Staples joining me. Andy, how are you, buddy? I'm trying to figure out what is the bigger tragedy in sports over the last hour. That dude from Boston ripping his leg off or me dropping a whole can of water all over my production desk and literally everything going up in flames minutes before I go on air. I'm still debating. Choice B, probably. Uh, Probably. Uh, Andy Staples is my guest, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Um, Andy, since this is a food show first... Probably second and third as well. Sports sometimes, but rarely. Fun fact, by the way, NFL Hall of Famer, the manster Randy White and former Falcons and <laughs> Bengals great Reggie Kelly have both appeared on this show. However, again, food first. So before we get into the Sports Illustrated stuff and so on, little food background on you. In other words, did you come up in a cooking family or is food something you kind of got into later in life? I've always been an eating person. So I... Uh... I was an undersized offensive lineman growing up, so had to eat a lot and decided that you know, if I was going to be so invested in eating, I was going to learn how to cook stuff and uh, try to eat the best stuff I could. And so every time I got on the road, I would, I would try to find the best places. And, and then when I was at home, I'd try to learn how to cook as much as I could. So I've continued to eat way too much, uh, and I don't work out six hours a day anymore, so that's a problem. But it's all right. It's, I've managed to turn it into a uh, professional advantage. Andy, what does the term pit master 
mean to you, if anything? Oh, I just think it's it's somebody who has dedicated themselves to the craft of barbecue and uh, probably put in their ten thousand hours, and they know how to how to make magic. If they're in Texas, they can make magic with salt and pepper, and and a brisket. Uh, if they're in North Carolina, they can do it with a whole hog. You know, I, I think they're some of my favorite people. Kind of dovetailing into that, there are terms which, even from my aspect, five, six, seven years ago, I would define a separate barbecue and grilling are those terms, by the way. Do you have definitions for those two terms? Uh, yeah, barbecue is, is a noun, and it's, it's not a synonym for grill. Uh, it, it is meat, dead animal, cooked over indirect heat. That's it, which takes tri-tip out of the equation, actually, and drives people from California crazy. Yeah. That's my definition. From a live fire cooking aspect, Andy, what were your first introductions to this subculture that I kind of cover in an ESPN Sports Illustrated sense? So I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, and the first barbecue that I had on a regular basis was a, a, a fast food chain called Rush's. And... So I grew up thinking that mustard-based barbecue sauce was, quote-unquote, the normal barbecue sauce. I didn't realize nobody outside of the middle of the state of South Carolina does that. And it's, it's weird because that's still probably my favorite kind of sauce, even though I'm not, not a big sauce guy. I mean, the, the best stuff doesn't need it. But it, it, it was that. And then in that part of the country, if you have a gathering, you might just do a pig. They call it a pig picking, which is you... you smoke a whole hog and everybody just kind of picks at it as they watch a football game or whatever. So I remember one of, one of the earliest football memories of mine is uh, when South Carolina was really good in 1984, they were undefeated. They went to Navy and my mom and, and future stepdad and their friends had a, had a pig picking uh, to watch the game and Navy crushed South Carolina. <laughs> But I was full, and I was happy. Andy Staples joining me here on the show, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, at Andy underscore Staples on the Twitter. From a professional standpoint, Andy, did you always see yourself getting into the high level of journalism and then specifically sports, or were you initially going down a different path and journalism found you? No, I thought I wanted to be a writer at age 12. My mom was a... A school librarian, and she would bring books home all the time. And she brought these books home from this guy named Louis Grizzard. And I read one called Shoot Low Boys, They're Riding Shetland Ponies. And it was a collection of his columns from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And he was, he was syndicated all over the Southeast, and he just wrote funny columns. And I read them, and I was like, Does he get paid to do this? And my mom goes, Yeah, he makes a pretty good living. I said, Well, that's what I want to do. So I decided I wanted to be a, a syndicated humor columnist. Now, there were only like two of those then, Louis Grizzard and Dave Barry, and now there are zero of them. Uh, the job had pretty much died by the time I got out of college. But Louis was a sports writer first, so I figured, well, I'll just become a sports writer, and then I'll work my way into that other thing. And the sports writer thing never stopped. Sports Illustrated has to be still the biggest name for sports journalism today, how do you get on with them initially? Was it just fresh out of college and you get into it, or do you have to work into a Sports Illustrated? No, I was covering Florida for the Tampa Tribune, uh, University of Florida Sports, and 
uh, somebody at SI liked what, what I did and, and gave me a call and said, hey, you know, we might be interested in you for a job. And then that job disappeared. And a few months later, I was covering Tim Tebow winning the Heisman Trophy. And I was up in New York and I went by the office and, and introduced myself to everybody. And uh, they said, no, nah, there's probably not going to be a job for another year or so. And then about two weeks later, I get a phone call. And they had been getting their, their football and basketball recruiting coverage from a company called Rise Magazine. Well, ESPN had bought Rise Magazine and sent SI a cease and desist order mm. saying, you know, take all the stuff off your website. So they took the money they were paying Rise and made that my salary and gave me a job. And that was 10 years ago in January. Probably going to the offices in New York might have helped that cause a little face-to-face call. Yeah, they realized I was an actual human being and not just, you know, some robot tapping keys in Florida. Aside from the college football responsibilities, Andy, is there anything else that you're doing for Sports Illustrated on the side? I do a little bit of college basketball, but now the, the, the secondary job is food. Uh, in, the, in the last few months, we've created a, a vertical called SI Eats, and I thought it was important. I mean... The food stuff I do gets some of the biggest response on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been putting a restaurant review in my Monday column every day or every week for the last three years. And I thought, well, why don't we collect all these things and put them in one place and create some city guides to tell people where to eat. And we can then kind of write about the intersection of food and sports or just write about food, period. And the bosses agreed and SI Eats was born and yeah, we, it's gotten a big response. People seem to love it. So I just, I mean, look, everybody's got to eat at least three times a day. So it makes sense they'd want to read about it. Covering the sport, as you kind of mentioned, does lend itself to eating. Obviously, you're a foodie at some level. So you're amassing this working knowledge of places to go. As you'd mentioned, you've done the SI Eats thing. Do you have standbys that you hit each and every time you're in a city? Or are you that much of a foodie where, yeah, here are the places that I've been to and I recommend because they're good, but I'm really more looking for the new places that I might be able to recommend as well? If it's one of my absolute favorites, let's say Archibald's Barbecue in Northport, Alabama, I'm going back and getting ribs there. But usually I want to go find somewhere new. Barbecue has certainly been popular and known in those meccas uh, from where you're from, obviously Carolinas, you have the Texas, Memphis, Kansas City. But it seems over the past, let's say, five, six, maybe seven years, it has really exploded across the map. I don't know from a backyard sense if it's more popular than it has ever been as it is right now. As someone who sees the country from side to side, top to bottom, is that a valid observation? Do you think barbecue is at its height of popularity just in a high-level sense right now? Yeah, and you see all these, you know, for a while you were seeing these kind of shishi frou-frou barbecue places pop up. I remember I went to some place in New York where they were charging $27 for a brisket plate, and it was like three strips of nasty brisket. And uh, it's just like, what? what is this? But no, you do see it everywhere. I mean, I ate at a place in Santa Cruz, California last week that had a, that had a wood pile. You know, I was like, wow, they're doing it right in, in the Bay Area. What, what is this world coming to? Uh, it's fantastic. I love that people have, have really embraced it and are are trying to make good barbecue because I've eaten a lot of bad barbecue in my life too. And so I, I love that, that there are people who really care. And it's interesting because it's, it's not what it used to be. You know, when, when I was growing up, it was a lower and middle class 
cuisine. Now meat's gotten so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, I think the, the target audience has kind of been priced out, which really sucks. Um, but you know, you look at, look at prices now and it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but these guys are, are not making much money. They're, they're running a pretty thin margin. They just have to charge a lot because the meat's so expensive. So I hope, you know, people can still keep figuring out ways. I see a lot of places, newer places that are becoming more sandwich based because that allows them mm-hmm. to, to make some money and not charge as much. I hope that, I hope it's still a, uh, an accessible food because I don't want it to become a food for the rich. It would not be, not be the same thing. Andy, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but I spearheaded the hashtag Horse Meat 2017 movement this year. <laughs> Do you have an argument? Trying to get it started. Oh, it started. It's it's. I would call it at a steamroll pace at this point. Do you have an argument against allowing horses to be brought up in an environment that would be similar to how beef or pork are processed in this country? Are you against that? It's. I would have a mental block even though you could make plenty of rational arguments for it. But Just I'd still have a mental block. Because it's on the dog and cat side of the fence when everything else yeah. on the farm is free game? Like, that's totally exactly, weird. because it's that adorable. Really? You and like the eyes that much? I, I Yeah. Now, let me say this. For, as a guy that was kind of born and raised in Saratoga Springs, New York, I, I, there are few that love the ponies more than me. But yeah. I find it incredibly... No, I understand. Yeah. I, I know where you're coming from, but I just... I, I would have a complete, it, it's not a, like I said, you can explain it to me rationally all you want, but I'll have that mental block. You're not going to go to Canada or Mexico to try some if you uh, find your way down there on travel? Yeah, I don't have to cover much hockey or much soccer, <laughs> so I don't think I'll, I'll have to do that. Andy, last question, and I appreciate the time this evening. Does Guy Fieri... Being in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, pull at the very <laughs> fabric and integrity of the Barbecue Hall of Fame? I, I did not know he was in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Is that not a shame? I'm not sure I knew there was a Barbecue oh, Hall of like Fame. It, and it, isn't fact, that the problem? I don't want to know about a Barbecue Hall of Fame that includes Guy Fieri. Hey, I think uh, you've answered a lot of questions just in did that just one sentence. Did they just rename it Flavortown? Or, or? Yeah, it's uh, Triple D Hall of Fame, I think is what they're calling it at this point. See, that's... I, yeah, I... I don't get that. I mean, at what point has he ever served barbecue? Well, if truth be told, Andy, I'm kind of the guy that is finding ways to... If I were to be inducted in my speech, I would give a two- or three-minute dissertation on why we would need to get him out immediately. Like, that would be my first order of business. So we could restore some type of integrity. Would you frost your tips first? No, no frosted tips. No, but I would shave the head super clean. I'm a little, you know, buzzed up right now, but I would go super clean. I think that's a good look. But what can I do? Or, or, or frost your facial hair tips. That's that's the other way to to play it. But yeah, I, that is disturbing news. I did not know that, and now I feel dumber for having found out. Well, I, I think I apologize, and I also want to make sure that you are well-informed so you can go tell the SI faithful what exactly is going on in the live fire cooking industry. We're talking with Andy Staples. You can find him at Andy underscore Staples on Twitter, and he's obviously writing for Sports Illustrated as well. Andy, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. You got it. There he is, Andy Staples, ladies and gentlemen. Holy moly. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. Well, he just proved my point. 
Am I overmodulated? I'm telling you right now, my wits aren't my own. We are so far, oh, so far off base right now. Uh, folks, grilling season is officially open for business, and the place to head for all your barbecue and grilling needs is Butcher Barbecue. Uh, certainly, we know that Butcher's carries a great selection of barbecue spices, sauces, rubs. Of course, their grilling portfolio continues to expand as well. You've heard me talk about grilling oils for a while now, and I really believe that these products will change the way you cook forever. These items shelf-stable, don't require refrigeration like a lot of other butters do. With grilling oils, all you need to do is leave them out by the stove or take them to the grill as needed. You don't need to worry about them going bad. Need a butter kick? Use butter flavor. Want a Chipotle kick or a steakhouse kick? They have those flavors as well. Here's how I use them. Flavors aren't aggressive, right? So you can build layers of flavor as you flip. Then when I take the steak and burger off, I hit them with the grilling oil. Just a thin layer. Let them rest up a little bit. Perfect stuff. And because they're shelf-stable, as I had mentioned before, never out of sight, out of mind. That's so frustrating. Never resting on his laurels. Dave, always in the Flavor Lab, coming up with stuff. Newest item right now, the Grilling Addictions. Here's what I really like about it. It's got the nice salt, a little pepper, but some back-end heat now. Watch out. If you ain't ready for it, it'll get you. Not terrible, but enough to notice. Lastly, and I say it each and every week, dealers want it if you currently own barbecue and grilling supplies stores and you don't carry the butcher lineup, what are you waiting for? Hit them up on butcherbbq.com and request information on how to become a dealer for them today. Not only will Dave thank you, but your customers will reap the rewards by getting these fine products in their hands to try for themselves. These products are extensively tested both in the backyard on the competition trail, so you know they're going to deliver the goods. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com and check out all the products. You'll be happy that you did. Again, that's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back with David Marks from Operation Barbecue Relief. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. Hey, the 2017 Grant Program was a raging success this season, so if you want your event to be considered for 2018, head over to SmokinWithSmithfield.com right now and apply for the 2018 Grant Program. Applications are being taken until October 25th, so don't miss out. That's smokinwithsmithfield.com. Let me move that over. We're kind of catching up, I think. I think. We'll see here in just a second. Andy Staples just joined me, senior writer, covering college football for the last eight, nine years. I think that was pretty cool. All right, my next guest is a competitive pitmaster for Wilbur's Revenge Barbecue Team. He also owns Pitmasters LLC, which is franchisee of Famous Dave's Barbecue, and he is also the CMO and board member for Operation Barbecue Relief. 
The weather events and natural disasters continue this year in what seems like a one right after the other pace. Back for another update, certainly is our friend, David Marks. What's happening, Greg? I got to tell you, it's uh, an insane storm of craziness that just happened here moments before we went on the air. I have this glass of water right here. And I don't know what happened, but I nudged it and bloof, all over the place it went. And it could have been much worse, but geez. It's like an EMP over there. Look oh, out. Oh, my God. So uh, luckily, we were able to reboot a little bit. Uh, I didn't miss my first interview, which I was very excited about. But, you know, what can I tell you? I'm a professional. You got to pull it together. You got to pretend like you're not frazzled. And in your mind, you're sweating and crying all at the same time. Make it happen. Make it happen. Dave, it was Harvey first, then it was Irma, now we have fires and... Okay, now David's out of here. Hey, you don't have to leave, don't be so me. Right? Maybe maybe the internets are wet too. It could be, no doubt. <laughs> the internet's wet. The That's internet cool. is wet. Um, as I was saying, <laughs> uh, Harvey first, then Irma, now we have the uh, fires in California... Do you recall a year that has been this rich in weather events and natural disasters since the inception of Operation Barbecue Relief? You know, uh, never ha have I seen anything like this uh, coming out of the Atlantic for sure. I mean, we've had a couple years of some crazy tornadoes, and uh, you know, they're they're horrific, and and you can't pl plan for them by any means. But I mean, just the the whole hurricane. Uh, 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 season has been just overwhelming, and and there's so much emphasis on it. As you can see, it build coming across the ocean, and 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 it really weighs on a lot of people. And now that people have seen what can happen, it's 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 been a rough one. It's been a rough season for sure so far. David, there are now 40 plus fatalities in the California wildfires. Acres of scorched earth, homes burned, residents evacuated, displaced. But unlike a weather event, this situation is an active one. Is there a different approach for something like this versus a tornado or a hurricane where you know it's coming, it happens, and then you guys deploy, install, and start feeding? You know, it is very different. Uh, you know, in, in a hurricane, we know it's coming. We can start moving resources and assets and getting people ready. Uh, you know, this wildfires happened, and, you know, and they, they have their uh, – staple in nature as well you know uh the wet uh season they had last year provided a lot of the undergrowth and a lot of the things that really fostered this fire and allowed it to move around so much um somewhat like a flood you know uh we don't really know where the water is going to go same thing with the fires uh but so much more difficult uh just the air pollution uh we had a lot of people having to wear respirator masks you know to take the particulates out i mean it's been difficult every deployment's difficult but this has definitely been different and uh and california is different you know we had to move a lot of resources never done anything in california so uh really we we, we relied a lot on the folks out of the california uh, barbecue uh, circuit if you will the california barbecue association uh, a lot of the folks around the wineries and and uh, we've had to do some things differently for sure David Marks joining me here on the show. The website, of course, OperationBBQRelief.org. If you want to make a donation, if you are moved at this point to do that, uh, we're obviously encouraging that, financial donations for sure. Uh, David, I had mentioned this to Ray Lampy last week, wanted your take on it too. 
With fires, you're told to evacuate. People leave. They're fires. For whatever reason, hurricanes don't seem to hold the same urgency for some folks. I don't know why. You can see them building for days. You see they're bigger, wider, stronger than the state you're living in. And still people will hunker down and decide that this is something that they're going to write out or it's really not going to hit them. Not the same mindset with fires. People seem to want to leave for fires. Yeah, people definitely want to get out of the way of a fire, uh, you know, especially if you're in Florida. It's been so long since they've had a, you know, a real significant uh, hurricane. And uh, for those folks, they've almost forgotten, you know, my college roommate uh, lives in the Keys and he actually stayed and lost his house and the whole deal. I mean, people definitely, I don't want to say forget, but they just think that they can, they're bigger than it. They think they're bigger than it and and it's not going to hit them that way. It's unfortunate, but it is every bit as dangerous. You know, I, I don't know if I'd want to perish by fire or by water. Yeah, I would choose neither. neither. Neither is for me as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Dave, from Harvey to present, do you have a tally of meals served, number of people that have helped cook and serve food? Sure. Um, uh, I've got some loose numbers uh, from California right now. We're at 51,705 meals, give or take uh, a meal, a uh, hot barbecue meal. Uh, we did 498,000 between Harvey and Irma. So that puts us right at 550,000 hot barbecue meals uh, served by our incredible barbecue family, uh, really across the country from you know East Coast to West Coast in the last uh, two months or so. Really proud of our volunteers and, and, and our corporate supporters. Uh, 550,000 meals is mind-boggling in, in three separate events. Is that a record for one season or however you look at it, maybe from a calendar year or whatever? Certainly, I don't think we, you know, when, when we had uh, Hurricane Matthew and the floods in, in uh, Baton Rouge uh, last year, I really felt like, you know, huge numbers, f- half a million meals. Uh, you know, just shy of half a million meals, and and this year certainly we're eclipsing that. And uh, you know, I, I'm just glad that our barbecue community is able to step up uh, and help our great country uh, in desperation, in disaster, and really help support our needs. You know, uh, our ability to do this, not be governmentally funded, uh, and, and do this with our amazing barbecue family is is just at the core for me, just makes me proud. There was some really good pumping me up stories done. CNN, you see Stan Hayes on a lot of really top media outlets at this point, not just your local news stations. And of course, any coverage is good coverage for you guys just to get the word out and get the name and the brand out there. Have you guys seen a, have you guys seen a, a tremendous influx of help or at least awareness of who you guys are and what you guys and gals do? You know, the national exposure has been amazing, and, and uh, not that I'm making any breaking announcement uh, at the moment, but Stan is actually doing a BBC interview tomorrow morning. Wow. Um, so, so we're going international, if you will. Um, uh, you know, honestly, uh, it, it has been a huge help. Um, you know, when you have that kind of national media exposure, uh, it, it really does uh, make a big difference. And you know, having these bigger disasters is unfortunate, but it brings attention to what we do. Um, so, so honestly, I mean, I never want to see 
disasters and destruction and and those kind of things. Um, but but it does uh, give us the opportunity once people get out of search and rescue and and, and saving lives and the immediacy. It does show, it does allow us to showcase what we can do, and and what the barbecue community and our volunteers can do. And I mean, we just you asked me about how many volunteers we have right now, and and, and the numbers a little fluctuating because we have a couple different portals that things come in, but it's about 7,200 registered volunteers at this point. Uh, we've probably had, now that we add California into this, about 33, 3,400 volunteers uh, volunteer their time in these disasters. I mean, it, it's amazing to me. It's just amazing. You know, five, six, um, almost seven years ago, I mean, we were scraping things together, and I mean, there was a point where we were you know, wondering like, how are we going to do this? And, and can we do this? And can we continue it? And, and now it's bigger than all of us for sure. You have yourself, you have Stan, you have a whole bunch of people that make up that infrastructure of OBR. I know obviously you have a, a real day job and I'm assuming a lot of the other people do as well. When something like this hits, how are you guys able to pull away from or, or be allowed to do what you have to do on an OBR sense without it negatively impacting probably where the bread and butter is? Well, you know, a lot of it honestly comes out of our, our, our personal lives, and our family lives. It, it is kind of like working two jobs, and, and it is certainly much bigger than Stan and I. I mean, you've got Will Cleaver, who uh, uh, was one of the co-founders, and he, you know, he has taken on an expanding role. We've, we've, opened up uh you know dana reed's in charge of uh our, our volunteers he's our chief volunteer officer uh we've continued to expand and add we've got paul peterson uh who is our corporate relations and, and procurement uh executive we have uh Brian Rapolo, who's in charge of disaster operations, and we've been adding infrastructure underneath. So, you know, you, you know, we couldn't do this without the likes of of what you know the, the Memphis Barbecue Mafia, you know, Scott Guy, John Wheeler, Mark Lambert. Uh, Alan Smith and, and that whole, you know, Memphis and May crew, you, you couldn't do it without, you know, so many of those teams. You got teams up in the Northeast. We got state leads in, in, in like 38 states, I think, right now mm. that, that literally are out there uh, making breaking ground for us within the, the different governmental organizations, the VOADs, volunteer organizations at disasters. And, uh, and they that's how we work through them to, to get through FEMA. And, you know, they have made this happen. And in these 7,200 volunteers have really what made, has made it happen. And, and we have a whole bunch. I mean, Meg Ferguson from uh, Delaware Finn's Finest helps me with uh, so much with uh, social media. We've got some of the Bradens out of West Virginia helping. I mean, in these disasters, you can't even imagine the volume of just, mm. just responding to people's private messages. Just responding to the sheer amount of of uh, Facebook and tweets and, and it, it's it's overwhelming. Let alone the emails. So I mean, it really has at this point. It's it takes an army of people to make this all happen. Let's do it again this time around. Since we did last time around, things that Operation Barbecue Relief needs the most is cash. We want cash. We get that you want to donate food or a cooker or whatever. But cash is king. Cash helps now. Cash is effective. 
And don't forget, Greg, your time. You know, if you can afford time, we, we, we need time in disasters. And we need time outside of disasters. Money and time are the two biggest things. We can, uh, if we can get some time and we, and we have money, we can, we can accomplish just amazing things. OperationBBQRelief.org is the website. If you are moved to donate, of course, I would certainly appreciate it. I know Dave would and everybody at OBR. Uh, if you're looking for a good cause to get behind and support on a recurring basis, uh, certainly one we would encourage you to do as well. They from a competition side of things. I know last time we talked, you were a little uh, disdained over your American Royal uh, setting there. But what yeah. are you looking at for the rest of the season? You done or are you still gearing uh, up yet? I actually had to pull. I pulled out of three contests because our season was so busy. So you ask where it comes from. I actually had to give up the rest of my barbecue season to to do this. Uh, I just did not have the time to uh, to honestly keep up and and. Uh, put that effort into the comp season. Uh, I did cancel three contests and you know, it's weird when, when my East coast barbecue buddies start calling me and texting me, go, what is going on? Are you okay? Where you at? And I just <laughs> can't do it right now. I, you know, I'm my, my higher calling, you know, I, I haven't been a perfect person, but, uh, this, this is my, uh, entry to heaven. You know, I, I barbe- barbecue is going to make it fun on the way, but, uh, this stuff is more important. David Marks is Operation Barbecue Relief's uh, chief media. Is it chief media officer? Marketing officer. Marketing. Same thing. Marketing media. You name it. He's everything. He's he's one of many that do pretty much everything out there. Wilbur's Revenge Pitmaster, obviously owning some franchise of uh, famous Dave's Barbecue as well. Where are those at, by the way? Well, you know, I have uh, six famous Daves, uh, three in the Philadelphia area, one in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and two in Delaware. And I'll tell you, if you want something fun, yeah, uh, go out to Famous Daves. Uh, we have a new menu item out there. I'm doing a selfless, shameless plug right now, but <laughs> we have a new some new menu items out there called Devil's Cut. And uh, honestly, um, you know, with uh, my barbecue mentors uh, urging and pushing. Uh, I created a new barbecue sauce, a new glaze um, that I actually, uh, it's a derivative of the barbecue sauce that I put on my Tyson's Best Wings on the Planet, award-winning wings from uh, uh, the Sam's Club finals as well as the World Food Championships. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is available at Famous Dave's right now. You can get it on ribs, you can get it on salmon, you can get it on smoked chicken. It's awesome. All right. Well, if you're going to be out there, hit it up. And Devil's Cut is the name, right? There you go. Devil's Cut. Like it. Uh, Dave, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you. You got it. There he is. David Marks from Operation Barbecue Relief. Oh, yes, the Barbecue Central That's Show right. will appear via the Smithfield Hotline. All right, we're settling yeah, back into a little bit of a nice roll here. Let me get the rest of these people that I'm supposed to be calling this evening into the tally. We'd love your feedback on Andy Staples. It was kind of disjointed as we just ran right into it. No lead-in, no setup, no nothing. But I didn't want to miss any more time than I was going to. Pretty much got a full interview in with Andy, so I appreciate that. Uh, First-timer to the show. I'm not sure if he's ever heard the show before or if he thought it was just going to be some stupid podcast that sounds like we're just talking and it's really uncomfortable to have anything to say, but I had a lot of things that I wanted to get to. I couldn't get any football questions. I mean, you know me. I wanted to ask him, A, is Ohio State consistently overrated or consistently underachieving? By the way, I'm not a big college football fan, so I could care less on either. And then B, from a professional football standpoint, NFL, 
Is there a more disturbing professional football franchise since 1999 than the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> what a joke. The answer, by the way, is no. There is no other more disturbing, disappointing, soul-shattering franchise. Franchise period, not just football, but sports franchise. How do you have two of the best-run sports franchises in the city also, you have the worst sports franchise in sports, that being the Cleveland Browns. So that's what I wanted to get after. But if we did it right, I will have enticed him to come back for another segment down the road. I want to know where the best food is in the college towns. I mean, he knows. I want to talk about poutine, have him weigh in on the burn ends. He was a little disenchanted with the horse meat talk, but that's all right. You got to bring him around. Nobody's in on it the first time, right? Hey, folks, the 2015, 16, and 17 Barbecue Tool of the Year is the CHOPS Power Injector System. The number one bestseller is the half-gallon CHOPS Power Injector System. Designed for the competition cook or to pump up the backyard warrior. So easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It'll use it all. Comes with 14-gauge needles. Two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. It's 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The one-gallon chops power injector system is up next, designed for catering and bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the half-gallon system. Some use it in competitions, like when you cook the MBN whole hog, or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. This one comes with the same stuff as a half-gallon. It's 120 bucks plus you pay shipping on top of that. Then you have the newest one, the Chops Full Power Injector System. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition Big Daddy. There is not a holding tank this time, but a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, and he has said time and time again that with the Chops Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with a whole bunch of really cool accoutrements. 325 bucks plus you pay shipping on top of that. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector Systems every day to make their barbecue better than the rest because we live in a foodie world, so we want flavor in every bite. This is how you can do it and do it fast. And it's not just for meat. How about alcohol-infused watermelon? You can do that with the Chops Power Injector System. Every injector is hand-assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. You want to shoot medium ground spices, they got you covered for that. They have two, three, and four-inch 12-gauge needles. Also, they have two-inch clothes-tip needles, perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needles with fat. They sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. They have a great upgrade. You can make your Chops Injector bulletproof. Metal needle adapters. How about that? Yeah. The Chops Power Injector Systems give your barbecue some power. The website, BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's barbecue spelled B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com. All right, we are caught back up. We will wrap up the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network.
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, your number one manufacturer of the great pellet cookers. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. Medium size, got you covered there too. Tailgate versions, sure, why not? They can also supply pellets to fire those cookers. Don't forget about that really cool pizza insert that fits in the Daniel Boone and the Jim Bowie. I love mine. You can love yours as well if you just visit the website, greenmountaingrills.com. John Dawson weighing in with an email. Show rules. Show rule number 13. No open drink containers on the desk. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, by the way. (laughs) John Dawson also saying that over on Simple Radio, which is an app, everything sounds good. Strong stream, no overmodulation. Love that. Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of back at it, if you will. All right, thanks again to David Marks for joining me, the Chief Marketing Officer, CMO. If you are looking to get behind a charity or a company that is providing a great service to people that are in desperation, displacement, need, helping first responders... Obviously, natural disasters are triggering this, weather events, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, God forbid, an earthquake. Operation Barbecue Relief will deploy, install wherever they're at, and then feed real live hot barbecue meals. Real meals, by the way, not chips and a ham sandwich. And if that's what you can get and you don't have anything else, I mean, you can take it, right? But if you can support them, go to operationbbqrelief.org and make a one-time donation or sign up for a recurring donation. Let it hit your PayPal account. Put it on auto-recur on a credit card. A couple hundred bucks a year. Why not? More if you can afford it, of course. But cash and time is what they need the most of. They have great buying power. They are going to be able to buy the most for the money that you're giving them, so support them financially. Know that the organization out there doing what they say they're doing. And, of course, thank you to Andy Staples for the segment before that, sportsillustrated.com. Andy Staples is the senior writer for college football and putting together SI Eats, so check that out as well. Potentially more popular than the college write-up that he's got going on. I mean, what could be more popular than college football, of course? But it's got to be running a quick segment. Everybody loves food. Everybody loves college football, except me. But even on the pro level, everybody's tailgating. That's the best part of the Browns game is tailgating, right? (laughs) Absolutely. All right, we will get ready for the second hour. Stick around. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. We'll be right back.
Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two for wiener. Delicious, Lavernius. Shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog. Shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. I'm not sure how we got there. You know, I know some of you are wondering... Well, that was a really long out to the top of the hour. Why did we have to listen to that cool three years hollow music? Well, because I had to unplug the headphones, go over to the other side of the production desk with five more towels and continue to sop up the watery mess that is waiting for me after the show. So every moment I get, I'm unplugging and going over and matting down to pull up the water, keep it away from anything. It could have been... Easily a hundred times better. Just a few more shades over to my right-hand side, it would have dumped all over the Tower of Power. Now, that would have been bad. Really bad. That would have been no show tonight. There will be some post-production for those of you listening via podcast, whenever you're getting this and listening to it. You will not hear the large gaps of time. Sorry. Gary Vaynerchuk. You know Gary V? A.K.A. WLTV, the number one wine show on the internet. That's right. And this is BBQ Center. Yeah. One of the most influential social media mavens cutting IDs for this guy. Gary V. I mean, never mind that that ID is like eight, nine years old, but he's also in the second hour introduction. He's the guy that says Charbono. He says, Lavernia, shut your face. That's Gary Vaynerchuk. He's been on the show a number of times. Anyway, so every moment I get, I'm sopping up the wetness, but that, that thing could have hit the Tower of Power, gone out. So again, as I was just saying, if you're listening via podcast, you're not even going to hear most of this. You'll probably wonder why the show's 13 to 14 minutes less in overall time, but I missed the open because I was rebooting everything and It was kind of a nightmare, but we're back up and running. There you go. Still to come on this show this evening, Taylor Davis from Smithfield. We're going to be talking about the 2018 grant program and the 2018 committed cooks program, what it looks like this year as or what will look like next year in 2018 compared to this year. Same thing for the committed cooks program. And then at 1035, the official Barbecue Central Show beer expert, Matt Boer, will be joining me. Hit huge the first time out last month, so we got them rebooked. We're going to be going over specifically ale, but if you have beer questions, we will be answering those as they come in, either through email or via the phone line. Here's how you get in contact with me if you'd like to do so. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQCentralShow. If you've ever wanted to see what that guy looks like, the big voice guy, 
This guy? Cleveland. I'm wondering if you have painted a mental picture in your head. This guy. All guests on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield hotline. Yummy. In my mind, David Lee, that's the guy's name. It's like David Lee voiceover productions. Uh, you can easily Google him. And he will actually cut stuff for you. I'm a nobody, and he cuts stuff for me. Like, he's my voice guy. That's funny. The, the Westwood One guy is my voice guy, by the way. That's how accessible people are through the internet. Thank you, the internet, for hooking me up with David Lee, the voice of Westwood One, professional bull riding, motocross, clear channel, blah, blah, blah. That's the Barbecue Central Show's voice guy. <laughs> That's hilarious. If you ever wanted to see, so in my mind, before I saw this video the other day, I thought he was like 6'6", 350 pounds, not fat per se, but probably had this huge beard, long hair, kind of Grizzly Adams in stature, because that voice, Cleveland. like who can say that? Who can really say that without an incredible, hellacious amount of production and all sorts of weird stuff going on in a production desk and voice booth. And then I saw him. And from a stature standpoint, him and I look a lot alike. I mean, he's got way more hair, but who doesn't? (laughs) But from a physical stature point, tall, lean, and to hear the voice come out of that, I mean, as soon as he talks, it's him. I mean, they introduce him as David Lee, the Westwood One guy, because some schmuck has pulled him at a Green Bay Packers football game. And he's just bending his ear. And like, if that were me, I'd be like, oh, shut up, local hack. Leave me alone. I'm trying to take in my Packers game. And he's like, oh, tell is everybody uh, 95.9, welcome to the NFL football, blah, blah, blah. And then he says it, and you're like, holy F, that's really the guy. How does he look like that? And is able to voice like that. It's incredible. That's why five voiceover people in the country have 95% of the work because they have voices like that. Most human beings don't have this voice. Cleveland. They don't have that voice. I can't do that. Cleveland. It's not nearly as cool. Cleveland. Cleveland. It's not even the same. All right, I talked to you about it last week. I do want to mention it again since they do sponsor the show. And it is going on right now, by the way. The Backyard Barbecue Contest that Green Mountain Grills is putting on. Go to greenmountaingrills.com slash grill-off. And it's the first annual Green Mountain Grills Barbecue Grill-Off. Participants will compete in four categories, ribs, pork, poultry, and beef. Grand champion and reserve grand champions get cookers and right now we are in the middle of ribs category that goes from october 9th so that was last monday through october 29th that's next week so if you want to do ribs get a picture of that you're off and running here's what you have to do use the hashtag gmg bbq grill off then you have to also hashtag the category For instance, right now it would be hashtag GMG ribs. Then you have to tag Green Mountain Grills account in the post. Facebook and Instagram is at Green Mountain Grills. The tweeter is GMG Grills. 
sorry, is GM Grills. GM Grills. That's the Twitter handle. And then a brief description of the dish. Brief. Again, first prize gets the Daniel Boone model with Wi-Fi smart controller and the reserve gets the Davy Crockett, which is more of the travel size. But you can get like a couple butts on there. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Then a whole bunch of other really cool prizes for the category winners. Judges will choose their top 15 entries for each category based on appearance and execution. So, again, ribs are going on right now until the 29th. Pork takes place October 30th through November 19th. Poultry, November 20th through December 10th. And beef, December 10th through the end of the year. GreenMountainGrills.com slash grill dash off. If you want to take part in it, that would be great. And if you've always wanted to do a contest, but you don't want to go anywhere, the turn-in windows are pretty uh, lengthy in this one, folks. <laughs> Got an email from Stephen Tornblum. Hey, Greg, just took your advice and read many reviews prior to buying my Green Mountain Grill pellet smoker earlier this year. I waited a year before finally taking the plunge and ordering the full line of rubs from Big Papa Smokers. And simply marvelous. Sterling had a sale over Labor Day weekend to buy both lines of rubs for 135 bucks. Below are some of the photos of the rubs and the tri-tip. I split to try the cash cow rub and the double secret rub on either side. The two chubs of breakfast sausage have jalapeno bacon rub on the simply marvelous cherry rub on the other. All of these rubs were great and I'm looking forward to trying the rest over the next coming months. Again, I'm enjoying a product. From one of the show sponsors, I enjoy listening to your show each and every week. Keep up the great work, Stephen Tornblum. Thank you, Stephen. Here's what I always say. While I would appreciate large financial donations in the sum of hundreds of thousands of dollars, I mean, if you feel the need, get in contact me. I'll give you the wire info. No problem. You can support me financially. Second to that, if you want to support the show, the easiest way to do so is listen to the people that I read on or that I bump back from commercial break on. Take a look at their website. Give them first consideration. These are the people that I partner with, that I believe, that I try their products. So everything that I'm talking about on these commercial reads or that I promote are companies that I know all the owners. I know their products. I've used their products. I believe in them. It's not just a cash grab for me. I feel confident. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the show. So support the show sponsors. That's the easiest thing that you can do to help keep this whole thing going. They like me. I like you. We like everybody. Everybody's a happy barbecue family like David Marks talked about last segment. So there you go. We're off and running. All right. Uh, Taylor Davis coming up out of the break. I want to talk to you about the pit barrel cooker. So... Here's what we know. Pulling the trigger on a brand new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? Might I strongly suggest a pit barrel cooker, of course. Well, what do I like about the pit barrel cooker? Well, let me tell you something. First of all, extremely portable. I mean, look at the size of this thing. Not huge. Not 758 pounds, doesn't require you to take a cord of wood anywhere in order to keep it fired up and going during the course of a cook. And you're not skimping on capacity here either. Don't be fooled by its slender shape, much like me. 
You can fit eight racks of ribs in here if you're hanging them. If you're not a fan of the hang or you get scared of the hang or you're afraid your meat's going to fall off because of the hang, you don't have to do that. It also comes with a standard grill grate that has the flip-up side hinges so you can keep refueling if you want to. There's a number of really cool accessories that the thing has. You just saw a cut-to-size charcoal chimney. They have beer koozies that look like pit barrel cookers. They have coffee mugs that look like pit barrel cookers. But the thing's so versatile, you can grill steaks on it. You can hang ribs. You can do the low and slow barbecue. But then you can also adjust it to ramp up and do the grilling-type foods. Chicken wings, chicken pieces, hot dogs, hamburgers, steaks, seafood. You can plank cook on it if you want to. Here's the best part. It's $299. That also includes shipping. It's already put together. You can cook on it literally when you get it. Do a quick burnout, and you are all ready to go. It takes lump charcoal. It takes charcoal briquettes. They prefer briquettes. I've used both, and I've had success with both. It's really one of the most, I would say, underrated cookers, except sites like AmazingRibs.com continue to give it its gold rating. Now for three years in a row. Actually, four years in a row, I believe. Again, for $299, how can you go wrong? Super cheap, or let's call it cost prudent, and capacity second to none. You visit pitbarrelcooker.com for more information or to order. You can call 502-228-1222 to talk, and yes, they have human beings that will talk to you. There's a good chance Noah Glanville might talk to you, or Amber for that matter. How about that? Owners of the company. All right, as I had mentioned, Amber Davis from Smithfield coming up out of the break. I don't mean Amber Davis. I mean Taylor Davis. So stick around. We'll be right back. Giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets to fire all of your pellet-driven cookers. We were just talking about Green Mountain Grills a second ago. They work in those. Certainly, Green Mountain Grills makes their uh, own pellets as well. But you want to try cooking pellets? We would encourage you to do that as well. You can buy them in two different places, cookingpellets.com, the website. Download the app, by the way, or Amazon.com. Amazon.com, a fledgling website. I think it's going to do okay. All right, joining me now is somebody that will be able to tell us about the upcoming 2018 Smithfield Committed Cooks program, and perhaps more importantly, because it was so popular this season, the 2018 Smithfield Grant program. We race to the Smithfield hotline, and welcome first-timer to the show. Taylor Davis joining me here on the Barbecue Central Show. Taylor, how are you? 
We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Really? Please check the number and dial it. All right. It's highly embarrassing. Not I don't usually misdial the phone number, but that's all right. Uh, go back. Ba, ba, ba. And we'll try this way. Bop, bop, bop. Those numbers and this number. Let's see if this is uh, better. We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Really? Please check the number and dial again or dial directory assistance. Is there even directory assistance anymore? I don't think there's directory assistance. Am I reading this right? Yeah. I think she gave me the wrong number. Oh, dear. Yeah, she did. Luckily, I see it. I see the error in my way. No problem. No problem. Five, six. I mean, they're all numbers. Who cares? At least we're not getting told to uh, call directory assistance. What is directory assistance? Taylor. 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 Can you hear me? Hello. Hi. How are you? Well, I, I learned that 815 probably isn't going to be a good number to reach you at. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to work. No. Uh, need the 816. Yeah, 816 uh, does seem to be a better working number. Taylor Dave is joining us here <laughs> on the show. Taylor, appreciate you making time. And uh, I guess before we get into a couple of the hot topics, uh, we learned uh, a lot about Emily Detweiler here over the last number of months. Uh, you're obviously a part of the team and, and working hand-in-hand with Emily. What are you doing with Smithfield and what's your capacity with the company? Yeah, so I work with Emily um, every single day. So I do a lot of the same things that she does. We kind of tackle things um, a little bit as we can and divide and conquer. But, um, you know, as I think about my primary roles for the company, I work on all of our barbecue marketing initiatives, you know, across um, both retail and then also on the consumer and, and barbecue event side of things. Um, but I also work on our marinated business. So um, you'll see in your grocery store and your Walmart um, that you go to and frequent, um, you'll see lines of, of products that are marinated tenderloins, marinated loin fillets, roasts, carnitas, things like that in the meat case. And so that's kind of the other 50% of my job is um, working on that line of business. So, um, you know, barbecue consumes a lot of our time, but it's something that we love to do and, and um, that we're all pretty passionate about. So um, it's the fun side of my job, I think. <laughs> Smithfield really has thrown in to the competition barbecue side of things over the last handful of years. Were you familiar at all with this existing subculture? Did you realize it was as far-reaching and as weird as it is? You know, I was born and raised in Kansas City, so obviously that is the heart of um, barbecue and and so I was always aware of the competitive barbecue side, you know, growing up, going to the American Royal every year, um, you know, as it's kind of just been a staple in, in the Kansas City area forever. Um, but I really didn't understand the breadth and depth of, you know, how many contests there were, how many cookers there were, 
um, you know, how many people spend every waking second of their lives, you know, talking about, thinking about, or sharing on social media, um, whether it's a Facebook Live or just event posts about competitive barbecue. But um, I've been working on the barbecue space for Smithfield uh, probably since around 2015, Um, so for a few years now. And it's really just been awesome to get to know the teams, the event organizers, just understand kind of the um, the lingo, the ins and outs of everything that goes on day to day, and and meet everyone um, within the space and um, be part of you know the Smithfield team that's become part of the barbecue family. Um, it's it's been really fun, so um, I enjoy it a lot. This seems like a potentially loaded question, and uh, there's no uh, malice or hidden agenda behind it, but. Obviously, Smithfield wouldn't be investing into it the way that they're doing without being able to see some type of a return. Just from your high-level vision and your feeling of being around it, do you think that competition barbecue has reached a plateau of sorts and and there needs to be something done in order to keep pressing it in a growth model? Or do you still see it as kind of that infant that's still growing and getting ready to run? You know, I think there's always more you can do, and um, we try to continue to invest in barbecue and give back to barbecue events and, and teams, and I think we do um, do that pretty well and continue to want to grow, um, you know, kind of our presence in the space and just continue to push the sport as a whole through some of our barbecue programming. So, um, you know, we have the Smithfield Grant Program that really gives back to event organizers and gives back to barbecue teams. And then um, the Committed Cooks Program as well, which which really is focused on teams and and um, focusing on giving back to teams. So I think that between those two initiatives and just everything else that we do day in and day out, um, you know, I think we can continue to grow the sport. I think there's definitely a lot more that can be done. You know, it's, it's a beast, but I think that um, – I think there's a lot more uh, progress that can be made and a lot more good that can come out of Smithfield's involvement in the space. Taylor Davis joining me here on the show from Smithfield, the website smokingwithsmithfield.com if you want to check it out while we're talking. Of course, one of the biggest successes that I think Smithfield rolled out this year was the first year of the 2017 grant program. Uh, For those people that aren't aware, that they're probably just getting out from underneath their rock, if we're being honest. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about what that program is, what Smithfield was looking to do with these competitions or events that it was partnering with, and what can we look forward to? Because it was so popular this year, there were, of course, those people that were offended that they weren't picked, blah, blah, blah. But hey, let's wait. Let's see how it goes. It pans out. Now we're going to be doing it in 2018. Talk to me about how it might differ or expand in the next year. Yeah, so we saw, um, you know, just tremendous um, interest in the Smithfield Grant Program in 2017. Mm-hmm. So I think we had um, we had about 180 events apply at the end of the day, and we were able to award 35 of those well-deserving events with Smithfield Grants. Um, so as as we looked to what we wanted to do in 18, we wanted to be able to improve that and give back to even more of those awesome events um, that applied. And then also um, encourage events that weren't aware of it, but, you know, found out about it through other events receiving grants to encourage them to apply. So there's a couple things that we're doing differently in 2018 that I think event organizers um, and just 501c3 organizers will be very excited about. So, um, first of all, we're upping our number of grants that we're giving out by 30%. Um, so we'll be giving out 50 events, this, or grants to 50 events this year, which is great. So we're very excited about that. 
Um, we'll be giving out grants um, in a variety of ranges from $1,000 to 4500 with the goal to deepen the prize pot and, you know, just pay out deeper and really give back to the teams that, that compete. Um, another thing that we've added for 2018 is we've added an in-kind donation option. So if you are looking for, um, you know, just ribs or butts or a combination of both as a product donation for your event, whether it be, you know, for a, um, a contest or, you know, maybe it's just a 501c3 charity event where you're just looking for something, um, you know, product to support and push your, your event, um, we have that option as well, which is great because we heard from a lot of a lot of um, event organizers last year that, you know, they, they obviously needed the monetary support as well, but really products would have gone a long way. So we're excited to be able to add that as an option. Um, a couple of other changes that we've made that we think event organizers um, would be, will be excited to hear about is we've made it easier um, to participate with a grant without having to worry about losing any source of revenue or income. So um, we are no longer needing events to hold three, t three spots for teams. So there's no comp spots involved um, for receiving a grant. Um, we're also accepting applications for first-year events. So, you know, if you're a really strong contest that, you know, you have a lot of support but it's your first year, go ahead and apply because um, we're, we're considering those events this year as well. So um, those are fun additions and changes for next year's program. In addition, we've also added a pork ancillary category option. So for event organizers that will go in and apply, they have the option to um, opt in to add a pork ancillary category. So what that means is that any contest that's willing to add an ancillary for a pork steak or a pork loin, something like that, um, we will give them $500 for the prize pool for that ancillary contest, and we will also give all of the pork loins for the competitors that compete. So wow. we think it's a win-win for the event organizers to um, find new ways to plus up their event and then also, you know, um, just for everyone involved. So um, I think that there's a lot of good things to come, and we've extended the de application deadline to November 1st. So there's a couple more weeks to apply, but um, encourage everybody that's interested to go ahead and apply. Simple as going to smokingwithsmithfield.com, going to the grant program, and then using that application? Yep, exactly. So it's just smokingwithsmithfield.com backslash grant. Um, it's a really simple form that you can fill out. There's an option to add attachments as well if you want to send in pictures or more documents or anything that really shows you know, the success of your event um, over the past few years. Um, any other additional information that you think that we would need to just kind of prove that your event is worthy and strong, um, feel free to do it. And um, it should take not very much time. It's very simple form. So um, we're looking forward to, to seeing all the new and different events from across the country apply. When I would have John Marcus from Barbecue Pitmasters TV show on, the biggest question that I would get from people is, oh, make sure you ask John, you know, what is it going to take for me in my application video for him to mark me as potentially a, a better person than somebody else. So likewise, and since I have you here, is there something that marks you guys or that you guys are drawn to when it comes to applicants that might be geared towards getting an award versus one that might be getting pushed to the side? Like, what are you guys looking for in an application? Yeah, as we think about green applicants and as we go through the process of picking who um, who will be receiving a grant, we look at kind of what we've deemed our qualities of success. So 
Um, we look at, you know, do they have what the barbecue teams, teams need when they get there? You know, is there water? Are there trash service? Is there ice? Things like that. Um, porta potties, security, things, things that barbecue teams like to have on site and like to have at their fingertips that they don't want to have to worry about when they get there. You know, is it something that's well organized? Is this an event that, um, you know, has, has a long history of success in the community, gives back to the community, you know, are, are the event organizers, um, you know, are they, are they easy to work with, things like that. That's always a big, big plus. I think um, another big plus is just being family-friendly. You know, we want to support events that everybody loves to go to and that the families are welcome and, and available to be on hand and um, kind of hang out with the teams throughout the weekend. Um, you know, we look at the judging, um, you know, does your event have the proper number of judges that you need, um, that are available to compete? You know, is there any issues getting judges in the past, you know, anything that would be a red flag? Um, and then I think, you know, just everybody knows everybody in the barbecue community and, and everybody <laughs> knows that. Um, yep. so everybody talks. So, you know, as, as we think about that, it's just, just the events that we hear continual positive feedback about obviously rise to the top because that means that teams have gone and competed and had great experience experiences and you know i think that they're, they're worthy of you know being considered as a great event um so that's kind of what we look at as as we think about narrowing it from you know the hundreds of applications to you know our, our 50 that will receive um, a grant the other cool thing that happened this year was the 2017 committed cooks program i believe there were like 500 spots that teams could mm-hmm. pay 20 bucks for or whatever just to kind of cover shipping costs and then they were getting back a hundred or so dollars worth of gear and merch and other stuff that was kind of Smithfield branded. What's going to be going on with that kind of uh, a lot of the same for next year in 2018 or what's happening with the committed cooks program? Yeah, we're excited for the committed cooks program. So it'll be a lot of the same, you know, you can register at smokingwithsmithfield.com. We'll open registration in November um, and it'll be the same, you know, simple registration, register your team. You'll get a really cool swag kit that we're going to revamp based on some feedback from you guys of things that would be cool um, to include. But I think one thing that I'm most excited about is when we talked to some of the committed cooks this year in 2017, um, a lot of them that were committed cooks in 2016, um, remember the 180 program that we had where we awarded um, a smoking with Smithfield pin and $180 for everybody that received a 180 in pork or ribs okay. throughout the year. Um, and so I think, you know, just listening to everybody and really feeling like they missed that performance-based incentive piece to the program, we're bringing that back in 2018. So um, for any committed cook that receives a first place in pork or ribs um, rather than a 180, right, because we want to be inclusive to IBCA, MBN, some of those other um, teams that compete mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily scoring on the 180 system. So a first place in pork or ribs, um, they'll receive a first place pin, some T-shirts, and then some awesome Smithfield swag prizes. Um, so we're calling this our walk-in with Smithfield um, program. So this is kind of you know, you're getting your call, you're walking with Smithfield using our products. So I think I'm really excited about that. Um, I think it's going to be really cool and and will be a really cool way for teams to kind of share their success across the barbecue circuit. I think it's important too, Taylor, and I'm glad you mentioned it. I mean, certainly 180 bucks is great, but as you had said, not everybody scores on a 180-point system for a perfect score. And you'd mentioned IBCA. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have Florida Barbecue Association. You have all these other different barbecue sanctioning events and different regions that have their own little clubs and stuff. You want to make sure that you're kind of spreading it all over. So doing something like this to me makes total sense from a broad stroke Mm -hmm. perspective. I'm glad that you're taking that information and turning it into something that makes it more inclusive. That's good stuff. 
Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I hope that that'll help encourage more teams to um, to register and, and want to participate in this performance-based program because at the end of the year, you know, the teams that end up with the most first-place finishes will receive additional prize and, you know, kind of a, an end-of-the-year um, incentives as well on top of everything that they've had throughout the, the 2018 season. Anything else from a upcoming 2018 season promotional-wise that you want to get out while you're on tonight? Yeah, I think um, I just want to encourage everybody to go to the Smithfield King of the Smoker event page on Facebook um, so you can RSVP to the event as well as receive updates for the event. So that's going to be on December 2nd at the Western Mission Hills in Palm Springs. Um, it's a great event. There's great demonstrations from some of the best pitmasters in the world if you even just want to go and learn um, and just understand just kind of how how everybody does what they do and why they do what they do um, to be successful. So that event, again, is December 2nd um, in Palm Springs. So it's a fun event. If you are if you find your way out in California in December, I would encourage everyone to attend. Taylor, I hate to put you in this position, but being a Kansas City kid, kind of being around that, where's your go-to barbecue restaurant? Oh, my gosh. Uh, putting me on the spot is right. Here we go. Um, I, From Taylor's mouth directly. <laughs> where are we going? Can I have more than one answer? You can have two answers. Okay. Oh, oh, oh that's tough. Okay. <laughs> I would say my two answers, I got to go with the mainstay. You got to go with Joe's Kansas City. Um, of course. You know, it's just course. consistently good all yes. the time. Jeff Staney legend. Um, and I think, yep, exactly. I think my number two would also be Slaps Barbecue. Yes! Um, they, Joe Pierce! They, oh, they're so good. <laughs> Their menu is great, and I don't know if any of you guys haven't been there recently. They added an awesome patio, um, so I would encourage people to go there, too. I think those are probably my top two in Kansas City, though. Joe's KC and Slap straight from Taylor Davis's mouth. Uh, again, the <laughs> website, smokingwithsmithfield.com, the grant program, ready to go, and the Committed Cooks program has been enhanced for 2018, as well as some other things. So really appreciate the conversation tonight, Taylor. Thanks so much for coming on. Yep, thank you, um, and look forward to seeing everybody who's going to be at the Jack in a few weeks, and good luck to everybody as they finish out the 2017 season. There she is, Taylor Davis. Thanks, guys. Awesome, look at that. All guests I love of the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. Meanwhile, you know KCBS honks are like, damn it, we're not going to get that 180 bucks like we wanted to? <laughs> I want that money. Now we're including everybody. That's what I like. From a show perspective, you get that feedback. Hey, we don't score on 180. We're going to get left out of that. How can we make it more inclusive? We can do the Walking with Smithfield program. By the way, those marketing people are like genius. Coming up, show me your Smithfield, Walking with Smithfield, Winning with Smithfield. My brother's got a my brother's a butt or whatever worth used to say during uh, last season when he was hashtagging. It's Taylor Davis. Again, smokingwithsmithfield.com is the website. I'll talk to you now briefly about the Barbecue Guru. Gang, are you looking to turn up the heat on your barbecue skills this fall and winter? If so, you're going to need to get your hands on the most advanced ceramic cooker and high-tech barbecue accessory to hit the market this year. We're talking about the all-new Monolith Barbecue Edition and CyberQ Cloud Controller. Just launched earlier in the year, the world's first temperature-controlled ceramic cooker and grill with a built-in power draft fan. 
going to give you the easiest, most successful barbecue experience to date. These must-have new products will make barbecuing easier than ever before and will be your new secret weapon for cooking delicious food each and every time. Ready to buy? Of course, head on over to bbqguru.com and grab them up while they last. If you have any questions about what to order, please call them. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or visit the website again, bbqguru.com. Again, know this. If you're looking into ceramic cookers, if you're going to use some type of a barbecue guru pit temperature control device, or... If you already have a controller, if you have a DigiQ or an old NanaQ or something along these lines, the fan is built into the cooker. It's got its own port. It's got a controller hanger, if you will, a place you can put your controller real nicely. So you don't need to buy the fan. It comes with the proper size fan already. Just hook your controller to the fan, put your pit probe into the cooking chamber, Insert your internal temperature thermometers if you have a controller that can accept those. And you're off and running. If you have a controller, you are set to go already. Now, if you want to get the latest, greatest technology, then get the CyberQ Cloud controller, of course. Again, the website, bbqguru.com or the phone number 800-288-GURU. Matt Boer, Beer Talk, coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, we are back. Thanks again to Taylor Davis from Smithfield. Again, the website smokingwithsmithfield.com. And the grant program for 2018 is taking applications. The date extended now until November 1st. i got to make that adjustment in my read. Otherwise, I'll look like an ass. Speaking of looking like asses, you could do that if you drank too much. I should know. But if you take it in moderation and if you really like beer... My next guest had an appearance that went so well, I think about making him a regular guest. And with every good barbecue, there's probably going to be some beer around. But if you're not a beer nerd or you like beer but haven't dug into the guts yet, maybe it's something you think you're going to be interested in. Let us do the heavy lifting for you. My next guest is the official, he doesn't know you, the official Barbecue Central Show beer expert. We head to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Matt Boer. What's up, Chief? How you doing tonight, buddy? Absolutely fantastic. Appreciate you making time for the show. The official beer expert of the Barbecue Central Show. How does that strike you? Well, I'm not that good looking. No, you're not. But you're this good looking. That's right. Look at you. Sexy. I brought, I brought you a little friend here. Is that a Philadelphia Eagle? That sure is. I'll, I'll get him out of there because I know it might cause you a little strife there and uh, upsetness. But... uh just, just had to bring that up a little bit. But, hey, like, thankfully for you, you didn't dump beer all over your console because it's nice and sugary Ooh. and would be a lot stickier than just water. Well, I mean, th- that that would be worse, no doubt about it. Uh, Matt Boer joining me here on the show. Uh, Matt, I thought tonight, and I had gotten a special request in from a listener that said, hey, really enjoyed the beer segment the last time around, was wondering if you could answer a couple different questions as it relates to ales. 
And Absolutely. of course, I love, I used to love ales. They were one of my favorite beers. And there does seem to be, let us say, a variety or variations of ales. So let's start backing it all the way out, just, I guess, from a high level. Talk to me about ale what it is in a broad sense, maybe a flavor profile, and then we can start digging down into the guts of, uh, you know, or getting into the weeds, if you will. Okay. Um, basically, you have, for the most part on the common market, you have two styles of beers. You have lagers and ales. And ales are a warm fermented, top fermented um, beverage. So the yeast actually will normally sit on the top of the fermentation tank as it's fermenting, and it usually does at right around 65 to 70 degrees, room temperature to a little bit warmer. And that's when you have, um, you see all the time, Coors Light and all those companies are talking about cold lagering. And they're going to, they're fermenting on the bottom of the fermentation tank. And that's a different style of yeast. And that's your biggest difference and biggest flavor profile difference between the two beers. Uh, so that's where you really have the difference between an ale and a lager. Once you actually separate those two, they go in a million different directions. Is there a so what's the ale taste profile? Is it like a hoppy thing? Or I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna start using terms that I'm not gonna be able to answer any questions if you ask me. So, uh, like, what do they taste like? Okay, an ale can taste anything from a wine to a super bitter hoppy beer. Hmm. It's it really refers to how it's fermented. And then once you go beyond that, you're going to start diving into the different styles. You can replicate most of those styles in the lagers as well, but the majority of the lagers you're going to get are going to be the common beer plays, Budweiser, Anheuser, um, Coors that you're going to see on the mass market. The majority of craft brewers don't like to deal with the lagers, and they'll actually deal with the ales. And the one funny thing I found when I was researching it, I just wanted to find the most popular ale. Mm. And there is not a single ale in the top 20 in the United States market right now. Really? There are what they call adjunct lagers or what they uh -oh. call everything else in the market. But the, the top 20 beers sold in America are not one of them is an ale. However, the craft brew department is yeah. actually dominated by ales. So Rolling Rock is not is Rolling Rock an ale? I believe Rolling Rock is still going to be a, um, a lager. It's going to be a pale lager, though. Oh. So when it says pale ale on the bottle, it's a lie. Actually, Rolling Rock might not be in the top 20, so I'd have to go back uh, and look at that yeah, one. You're probably right on that. All right, so when I think of ale, I think of pale ale. Then you start thinking of IPA, which I think is India or Indian pale ale. And then, then it gets really out of control. There's like double pale ale, triple pale ale. I don't even know what the hell that means, so... As we start to wade into the weeds, the craft beer industry, as you said, is dominated by ales. So talk yes. to me about like some of the popular ones, where the flavors are, what the alcohol content's like, and then we'll get into those weird doubles and triples and so forth, and what makes them like that. Okay, a, a pale ale, you're going to have a higher hop content than you would in a just a regular pub ale. Um, if you were to go to England, the majority of the beers you're going to see there are going to be lagers or just a pale, a pub ale. A pub ale is going to be 4 to 5%, not super hoppy, really clean, and nice tasting. The second you bring up pale ale, you're adding a little bit more hop to it. Um, hop is best characterized by, for people that never drank beer, if you drank wine and you drink a champagne, mm. you have that little bit of bitterness, dryness in your mouth. Yep. 
that's the hop characteristic. It's not saying that it's bitter like a lemon. It's saying that you go, wait, why is my mouth a little dry when I've been drinking a liquid? <laughs> right. Um, and then so when you go from pale ale, pale ales are great. Sierra Nevada is a mass marketed animal that goes across the entire country and everyone seems to love it. Yep. It's a pale ale. It's a very neutral pale ale. Then you dive into their other beers. But to answer your question about the IPAs, IPAs were born when the English colonized um, India. And they had to find a way to bring beer to India. And what they had to do was increase the alcohol content, keep it sterile on the way. They increased the hop content as well. That gave it a hoppier, con a hoppier taste. And as it traveled, it actually aged very well on its way. And that hop would go away during the traveling. So the recipes that we're drinking now are hoppier than what they would have got in India back in the 1860s or, you know, whenever they were actually transporting this beer there and IPA became a style. We've kind of changed the style a little bit and made it more marketable, but also made it more beer snobbery-ish where we doubled the hop content, if not tripled in some of it for the flavor profiles. So a true India pale ale recipe is not going to have that hoppy over the topness that you're getting now. Are there IPAs out there that match up with the traditional flavors of the days of yesteryear? Yeah, you're probably going to have to get something straight from England, but the bigger problem is it's not going to be cast aged because what happened was when they cast it and then sent it to India on the way, the flavor profile mellowed. Because it's soaking into the wood. And, and just aging in general. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just like a wine, when you age it, it changes. When we talk about double hop and triple hop or, you know, all that stuff, what does that mean and what is that giving you from a flavor profile perspective? And is it also then increasing an ABV? Yes, it, it, uh, ABV is what determines a double. A double, it was when you get above, typically the brewer, it's up to the brewers. It's not a, you know, market tested. It's up to the brewers. Once you get above an eight, they normally start calling it a double. And I actually put, my local brewer on the point, I said, listen, what, what becomes a triple? He says, it's up <laughs> to us. He's like, we, we get to pick a triple. You know, my triples are 10 and above. So, but you got to realize you're looking at almost the double the alcohol content of a standard beer yeah. in a triple. You start getting into points where, yeah, you're going to fall down quick. And do they taste good or will it, it, will it dominate your palate where, you know, the thing that I, uh, you know me. Uh, when I'm drinking beer, I'm as macro brew as it gets. I don't get into the, the the micro or the nano or anything like that because a lot of it is like super heavy. And if you have more than two, I get palate fatigue. I'm like, oh my God, like my whole face is tired. It was like I had dinner and I was drinking beer and there's oatmeal in it or style, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I mean, everybody's palate's different, right? But yes. in so long way to get back to the question I was trying to ask you. Does it weigh heavy on your mouth? Can it fatigue you? Um, if it's done properly and done with the right amount of budget behind it, no. The biggest thing you're doing is raising the natural sugars, which is the malts and the barleys, for the for the actual um, yeast and everything to eat to create more alcohol. And what happens is when you do it cheaply, you get an alcohol taste. And you get a very strong, sweet beer, which is no longer tastes nothing like an ale. And you're going, why are they calling this an ale? Well, it's because they increased all this without increasing the most expensive ingredient, the hop. 
when you increase mm. everything rationally in, in the same ratio, you get a well-balanced beer where I've had to sit at the brewery with a friend and he was running the trivia and he was on his second snifter of a triple and I had to pull him aside and say, hey, listen, I know how long you got to drive home tonight. You really need to slow down, buddy. And he's like, why? I go, that's a 10 point, it was like almost 10.6%. He's like, no way, it's too smooth. IPAs traditionally have a grapefruit profile or not necessarily? That's an American pale ale style. That's where you're uh. getting the citra hop. And people are very confused by that hop. Um, citra, I think it's Cascade Mosaic. The typical ones you'll taste in the Americans have a citra note to them. And people think they're adding grapefruit. They're zesting it with you know lemon. No, that's actually the characteristic of the hop flower that it's producing. It's a really interesting thing. Um, an IPA, we drink, I would probably say 75% of the America IPAs that you see are actually should be recharacterized as an APA, an American Pale Ale, because it's using a hop that's only found in America that has a citrus note to it and is not something you would find in England where you would produce an IPA traditionally. Is the brand Boulevard taking over the joint right now? Is that a super popular beer, or is it just because I'm seeing it up here in bars in Cleveland? That's because you're you're seeing it up there. What you're noticing now is the um, regionalization of craft beers, where they're becoming uh, kind of like Rolling Rock is something. If you went out west uh, 10, 15 years ago, people would look at you like your head blew off because they never heard of it. Uh, also, the same thing like you couldn't get cores in, in Florida for the longest time back in the 70s. What you're having is large brewers are starting to dominate the area by purchasing smaller craft breweries and explore and you know exploding them out into the regions but they're using the name of that brewery one big one in atlanta area just went under uh wicked weed was bought out by a large conglomerate so you're having all these places that are just blowing up in the region like down in the southeast funky buddha dominates the florida region funky buddha yes hmm, never heard of it sounds great um two questions from jason king up in canada one, are big beer companies using syrup to make beer now, like fountain pop machines? Um, they're not. That you know of? Would, if you walked in there, it would look exactly like syrup. But, it, yeah, it, it is a liquefied barley malt mash that they're using. They're they're not. Some of them are not going through the trouble. And that's on their cheaper beers, not their higher-end beers. It, it it's They're going through it, and they're using kind of like some fast food places had might have used a pink mush for meat. Pink slime. Yep. <laughs> Meat filler. Uh, the other question that he had was, is it legal to brew your own beer here in the States? Um, I think the liquor thing is a little different, but homebrew is, is huge here. It continues to grow, right? Homebrewing, um, I can answer for Florida, is definitely uh, allowable. And there is a certain, uh, certain number you get up to where you're no longer classified as homebrewer. Um, and across the states as a whole, it is becoming acceptable to the point where most markets, um, you can buy that Mr. Beer kit mm -hmm. and brew your own beer in your house, and it's sold at Walmart. So, yeah, I, I, there's uh, maybe Utah might be hanging on to the law. I, I'm, I'm not even sure about that, but I think for the most markets, you can absolutely brew the beer in your house, and there you can find a good local home brewing store mm -hmm. or go online and buy a relative. I think it's fifty dollars for the kit. And then they'll sell you all the jump starters and everything to go ahead and brew your first set of beers. 
Going back to the ales real quick, is there a food pairing that, I mean, obviously, whatever tastes good to you tastes good to you. I get it. We understand that. Trust your palate, blah, blah, blah. But is there a food or a genre of food that pairs exceptionally well with ale styles? Sure. Let, let me hit uh, real quick. We I have three different examples, and they're different bottles, too, I, I, and we can cover that real quick sure. about completely different kind. Well, two are similar, but totally different ales. Um, the first one is from Sierra Nevada, and uh, this right here is their their Hop Hunter IPA. It is hopped with the oil. Mm. Some people consider it cheating because it's not really using the hops because you're really intensifying the hop. Um, but this one right here will pair very well with anything that needs to be cut like a barbecue, uh, where you have a lot of fat that you want to cut through, a lot of sugar you want to cut through, a lot of sauce. That'll definitely cut through because it's a 60 IBU, which is pretty high on the um, on the bitterness. And when I say the bitterness, once again, it's a dry mouth. It's not the lemon flavor or something like that. It's the dry mouth flavor. So as you're eating a sweet, um, barbecue-y, fatty piece of meat, it'll cut right through that. Right now, this is the only time you get to see this beer in America is the mm. October, early November. Is This is from one of my local breweries here. Um, it's a wet hop. This is their normal pale ale that they use actually fresh hops for. This is the pure version of what I just showed you because the oils that are in this actually come from the right out of the bud of the hop, uh, the hop plant. And that has a significantly stronger bitterness to it. And that really cuts barbecue. Like if I was doing a brisket and I wasn't separating the point and the flat, and I was going to leave all that fat in there. You serve that with that. It'll cut through it on every bite. Mm. But to answer your other question about why I say ales are such a weird thing, this one right here is I'm bottle aging this. And this is um, stone fruit from my local brewery too. And But this is a Belgian farmhouse ale. This is very similar to Abbey ales and Trappist ales. Um, that is almost a wine. That has a very high fruit note to it. A very light body, effervescent, and that would be really good with chicken, fish, um, not that I'm going to be serving it, but a cheese platter. Uh, you could definitely pair those two together. And if you notice, that last one was a taller bottle, which they call a magnum, and it was mm -hmm. bottle capped. Yep. And that's to make sure that none of that carburation were to escape. Some breweries will use a cork, um, which is great, and they'll, they'll actually wrap it to make sure the cork never pops. The only thing with that is how much of that is actually just selling you the bottle. Because yeah. right now, if you know in America, there are some wines that are dominating the market that are being sold out of boxes. Yeah, And they're going away from the cork because the cork is not a sustainable product to be bottling all the time like this. He is the official bar beer expert of the Barbecue Central show. And if you had any questions about ale... I think we just pretty much answered them all right there. If you missed the segment, go back and get it on the podcast, and you will see our friend Matt Boer, beer expert, here regularly on the show. Matt, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Greg, I did have one thing exciting for you. Oh, okay. Hold on. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive like news update. Greg Rempe here at the Breaking News Desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we throw it down to Florida for Matt Boer. Uh, I did reach out to one of your uh, sponsors, Butcher Barbecue. Yes. And he sent me some rub to do a take on a Michelada, which is a rimmed glass beer that I wanted to bring to you guys next uh, 
next month or whenever we get back together and show you how you can use some of your favorite rubs to make your beer a little bit more exciting at your next party. You can show us that right on camera, right? Absolutely. All right. We'll look forward to that. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. Michelada. That's very exciting. I've seen those, by the way. Four I don't know if I would be too Central show appear via I mean, the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. Dave Bosca, always thinking of ways to keep himself relevant in the barbecue and grilling and beer market now, I guess. All right. Let me quickly tell you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Their curated selection of the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything that they sell has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. Big Papa Smokers is the proud owner of award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone? Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors that remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer and even offers special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet cookers, try the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition barbecue trailer. If you're a backyard hack like me, look for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever called the M Grill. It's from Texas. It's just what you need. They're built like tanks. If you're not sure what grill you need, you really can't go wrong with any of the grills over at BigPapaSmokers.com. They have something for every kind of backyard cook and budget. Check out their website today to shop their full selection. It's clear that Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help your barbecue become better. Boost your barbecue skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue score. Call them toll-free at 877-828-0727 or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-S-M-O-K-E-R-S.com, BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Cook Shack, manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of barbecue experience, whether you're looking at their pellet cookers or their residential electric smokers. You visit cookshack.com or call 800-423-0698 and get hooked up with Cook Shack. They even have a world-class barbecue forum still, believe it or not. All right, let's wrap it up all the way back in the first hour. I can't believe how we even got started this show. But we had the senior sports writer for college football from Sports Illustrated, Andy Staples, who also writes SI Eats, one of their more favorite and popular websites, by the way, or portals at Sports Illustrated, as he had mentioned. Great getting to know him for the first time. Then we talked with David Marks from Operation Barbecue Relief, getting up to speed on where they're at right now as they are battling the wildfires in California, feeding first responders and people displaced. If you want to help them out, OperationBBQRelief.org. Make a cash donation. Set it up recurring, why don't you? It's great. And then in the second hour, we talked with Taylor Davis from Smithfield, SmokingWithSmithfield.com 2018 grant program, taking applications until November 1st. 2018 Committed Cooks program will be happening really shortly as well. A lot of cool things and a lot of cool changes going on on both events. 
And then we close it out with Matt Boer, the official Barbecue Central Show beer expert. Talked all about ales. It was fun. Go back and listen to it again. A lot of great information. The show is jam-packed next week. We will be off on Halloween. Programming note right up front. We will be off Halloween. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.